Thank you for tuning into this sermon from New Life Student Ministries. Our goal is to inspire, equip, and support our students and families with biblically rich and God-centered teaching. These messages are meant to be supplemental and not substitutional for our weekly gathering. We hope this sermon is a blessing to you and your spiritual walk. We're good? Okay, good. It's good to see you tonight. Like Pastor Tim said, my name is Andrew, and I'm the lead pastor of New Life East. And it's a joy to be with you tonight. Uh, I got some kids in the house tonight. So I am Ethan Arndt's dad. Give it up for Ethan Arndt. You love that, Ethan Arndt. And uh, Gabe Arndt, I think it's somewhere over here. It's Gabe. And uh, Bella Arndt. Where's Bella? Where's my Bella tonight? She's around here somewhere. Okay, there she is. She's ducking. And then Liam, my youngest son, is sitting out in the lobby coloring or something. So he's heard, yeah, enough of his dad's preaching for sure. You guys... Uh, you are so blessed to have this community, a place of worship and encouragement. The worship here is so amazing. And then you also are led so well. Can we give it up tonight for Victor Mendoza and Tim Shepard? Got the whole group of leaders leading New Life students. You guys are blessed. And this is such an important and beautiful time of your life. I was thinking while I was in worship just a little bit ago, you know, this is a fun. So I turned 40 years old last year, 4-0. Yeah, I, well, I'm telling you. And, but here's what happens, is that in your mind, you do not think that you're old until you look at the age that you were and you see actual humans, and then you go, okay, some distance has elapsed. It was tw 25 years since I've been in high school. That's shocking to me. It's a quarter of a century, but we're gonna get through it. It's gonna be great. Tonight, we're continuing the series that Pastor Glenn started last week on the book of the Psalms. And uh, the title of the series is To Be Human. And the Psalms really are a textbook for our humanness. All of the experiences that we can have as human beings, they're actually found in the Psalter, that book of 150 psalms and songs and pieces of poetry. They give expression to all the things that we human beings can't ever go through. And I know you go, well, we live in the 21st century and it's so like different now, but it's actually not. The writer of Ecclesiastes, the wise writer Solomon, son of David, said that there's actually nothing new under the sun. And when you begin to read these psalms, what you discover is that all of the things that you're struggling with, they find a home in the psalm. Somebody has been there before. And also, they're teaching us language for how to take our experiences and orient them into the presence of God. And as we do that, this is why the series is titled To Be Human, as we do that, what we discover is that we become more human. These words actually open up doorways for us to experience our own humanness. Tonight, Pastor Glenn last week talked about the importance of confession. Tonight, I want to talk about the importance of giving thanks to God, that God is worthy of our thanks. He's worthy of our gratitude. He's worthy of thanksgiving. And I want to talk about how that actually, when we engage in that act of thanksgiving, how that makes us more human than we were before. I'm going to start in Psalm 100, the very psalm that we opened up our worship set with. So if you have Bibles, I'll invite you to turn there. If you have cell phones, you have, I don't know if you know this, you have lots of Bibles on your cell phone. So you can find it on your cell phone. I'm learning things as I'm getting older. So this is true. So you can open your cell phone, find Psalm 100. If you don't have either of those things, welcome to the 21st century. It's going to be okay. Uh, but we're going to have the words up on the screen here in a second. Before we open the text of scripture together and talk, let's pray.
So we pray may a sense of your presence dawn upon us, O God. The psalmist said that your love is better than life itself. And he hungered and thirsted for the living God. He said, oh, when can I go and be with God? To touch God and to know the touch of God is to touch the very core of life. It's to be satisfied. And tonight we pray that as we open up the scriptures, that we would find ourselves satisfied again with God. Some of us are in this room tonight and we've never had a moment of encounter with the living God. We've never been satisfied with God. And what that has meant for us is that we've run around trying to satisfy ourselves with all kinds of other stuff, with sports and with relationships and with achievements and all that stuff. And we've come up empty. And I'm praying that tonight, the water of the Spirit would come to each person, especially those that have never tasted before, and that their thirst would be quenched. Jesus, you said that whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, streams of living water would gush up from within. And I pray that nobody would leave this place tonight without having a sense of the stream of living water gushing up from within. So come, God, oh very God, we're asking you to be present with us. I'm praying that there would be a sense of joy and celebration in the house tonight. I'm praying that as we now open the scriptures together, that we'd laugh a little bit and that we'd think a little bit and that we'd find ourselves challenged by you and opened up to the mystery of you. Granted, we are praying. I'm asking that the words of the preacher's mouth and the meditation of the hearer's hearts would be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, Psalm 100, the psalmist says, shout for joy to, to, to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness, and come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God, it is he who has made us, and we are his, we belong to him. We are his people, and the sheep of his Pasture, And so you're going to enter his gates with, what's the word there? Thanksgiving. This is the appropriate way the psalmist is saying to enter into the presence of God. That you don't just kind of barrel in and start talking about yourself. Or you don't just sort of barrel in and start being like, well, God, you know, I've got this need and that need and da, 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 da. But the appropriate way to engage the presence of God as we begin with thanksgiving. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. And then the psalmist says again, give what? Give thanks. We're going to give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever and his faithfulness continues through all generations. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord and all God's people said, thanks be to God. The psalmist says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his course with praise. Give thanks to him and call upon his name. You enter his gates. How do you enter his gates? We do it with what? Thanksgiving Again, we don't just barrel in kind of talking about our life and our stuff, and we don't just kind of barrel into the presence of God complaining that this isn't working and that's not working, but we go in, and the psalmist says there's an appropriate way to enter into God's presence, that we do it by saying thank you. And somehow that matches up with the nature of our relationship with God. We touch the truest center of our relationship with God when we do that. The Old Testament scholar, a guy by the name of Walter Brueggemann, he's one of the premier Old Testament scholars of our generation. He has this great, huge book, Theology of the Old Testament, and he opens up a 700 page like, survey of all the things that are happening in the Old Testament. And he has this moment right at the beginning where he says, the first and the most important fact of the Old Testament is that there is a people 
who are giving thanks to someone, he says. Who are they giving thanks to? And why are they giving thanks to him? And what does that say about their understanding of their life? And what does that say about their understanding of God? He says that it's the first and the most important fact of the people of God, that they are a people who are giving thanks to somebody. Now, if we want to get at kind of an understanding of what's entailed by this idea of giving thanks, it's important to get to like the root word, you know, like what's going on in the Hebrew. So the root word here for give thanks, you can put the next slide up on the screen, is yada. Everybody say yada. Look, you learned Hebrew. You're smart kids. We actually don't have, the Hebrew actually doesn't have uh, a word that corresponds to like what we do when we say, oh, thank you very much for that, you know, whatever. It doesn't really have that. What it has is this word, to confess, or another way to translate yada might be something like to tell the truth. So that's interesting. What's happening when the people of God are giving thanks to the Lord, all those places where you see thanksgiving or give thanks to the Lord, what they're doing is they're telling the truth about the thing, whatever the thing is that they're giving thanks for. Okay, so what they're doing is they're seeing that they were delivered from some evil thing, and so they tell the truth about that thing in the presence of God. Or they have an experience of the presence of God that takes their breath away and opens them up. And so what do they do? They yada. They tell the truth about it, and somehow that brings their relationship with God close. And when you start looking at the text of the Old Testament, the Psalms in particular, everywhere the people of God are giving thanks. I give you thanks for you delivered me from my enemies. I give you thanks because when I was in a dark place, you rescued me. I give you thanks because when my feet were sunk in the miry clay and there was no foothold, you rescued me. I give you thanks because you've revealed yourself to me. I give you thanks, I give you thanks, I give you thanks, I give you thanks. All of the things that happen in their lives, somehow they think that those things are appropriate to give thanks, that they tell the truth. They yada those things in the presence of God. And that does something in their relationship with God. But what is it that it does? That's really the question, isn't it? Why is giving thanks so important? What does it do in terms of our relationship with God? One of my favorite things to do with my kids. Now, my wife, Mandy, who's sitting on the front row over here, give it up for my wife, Mandy. She's been married to me. We're going on 22 years of marriage. So if you're doing the math, we got married when I was like about 19 years old. We almost had to have a parental waiver form for that, okay? But we're still together and it's good. And she's a very gracious individual. Mandy Arndt gives the best gifts on planet Earth. All the gifts that like my kids get, like Mandy plans those gifts meticulously and like birthdays and Christmas and all that stuff. She's got it all figured out. But what I like to do in my home is I like to give like the unexpected gift the gift that the kids are not like looking for and the gift that communicates something that I'm trying to communicate to them. So all my kids are high achievers in school. They're all doing like really, really well. And I'm so proud of them for that. And my oldest son, Ethan, not long ago had a stretch academically where he just murdered it, murdered it. I mean, knocked it down. And I was so unbelievably proud. You can give it up for Ethan. I mean, he really is quite a guy. And as a dad... I was like overcome with joy at how well he was doing. And I just felt like it wasn't enough for me to say to him, you know, like, good job, bucko, or whatever it is that dads say. And so what I do, you know, I went to the store and I got him a $50 Freddy's gift card because he loves eating at Freddy's. And I, I put that together with a little card and I said, Ethan, could not be more proud of you. And this stretch, like, you just took my breath away, man. And uh, so enjoy some Freddy's with your friends 
on dad, you know? And I tucked it and I put it underneath his pillow on his bed. And then I'm waiting like all day. I cannot wait for Ethan to like get this gift, you know? And so a few hours go by and then the evening goes by. And finally, you know, it's nine o'clock or so. And it's time to kind of make my rounds and say goodnight to everybody. And I poke my head in Ethan's room and he's sitting on the bed. And I go, hey, buddy, did you get the thing that I put on the bed? And you know what he did? He fell down on his knees. Dad, there's nobody like you. There's no dads in the heavens or the earth. He didn't quite do that, actually. (laughs) But what he did do is he looked at me with great sincerity in his eyes, and he said, I did. Thank you. And that moment, for me, was like, all I could ever hope for out of a moment. Like, we've had a connection. That's, by the way, all of your parents, that's what they really want with you, is they just want a connection, okay? That's what they're looking for. And, you know, I, but, so here's the truth about it, okay? So let's just think about this for one second, okay? What's going on in this interaction? You know, like, am I giving this gift to Ethan? What, what's happening here? Am I giving this gift to Ethan because we don't have food in the house and this is the only way he's going to eat? No. <laughs> That's not it. There's something extra going on here. There's like a communication event that's taking place in the giving of this gift. In the first place, I'm trying to tell Ethan, good job, I'm proud of you, right? The gift is saying something to him, and I'm hoping that that builds up his spirit in some way, that that makes him, that makes him more himself, right? But I'm also hoping for one other thing in that interaction. And what do you think it is? Any guesses? That's it. You got it. I'm hoping that there's a connection that's forged. I'm hoping that the relationship gets closer, that the relationship gets deeper. That, guys, is the nature of all gifts that are ever given on planet Earth. We're not just trying to satisfy a need, though sometimes the gift does that. And we're not just trying to communicate something about the person, though the gift will do that. But we're trying to forge a relationship with one another. Do you see that? Now, what would have happened, can you imagine, if I'd walked into Ethan's room that night, and I opened the door, and I go, hey, buddy, did you get the thing that I put on your bed? Can you imagine if Ethan had been like, uh, yeah, so what? Oh! (laughs) The crucifixion of my parent heart, you know? Or worse, if he'd been like, Yeah, I got it. Is that all that you think my academic achievements are worth? Oh, right. This massive interruption. What happens then? The relationship, it begins to deteriorate. It falls apart, right? We know that a gift has been truly received, guys, when gratitude pours out. Are you with me? And then we see that the relationship is beginning to come together. So this is why Paul says, I want you to think about this for a second. This is why Paul says in the book of Romans chapter one, Paul is outlining how the human condition is like falling apart and people are no longer following God. And because of that, everything on planet earth is just a chaotic mess. And he says this in Romans chapter one. You can put the slide up on the screen. We got this? Yep. Think about what Paul says here. He says, although they knew God, They neither glorified him as God, nor what? They didn't give thanks to him. They they knew God, and they knew that God was doing all this stuff, but they didn't glorify him as God or give thanks to him. And what happened? They're thinking, I want you to say it with me. 
their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened, right? And although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. Next verse, next slide. And they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. They start worshiping idols. And as you read the chapter, the rest of the chapter in Romans, you see this like deterioration of the human condition, okay? But where that deterioration started is that they stopped saying thank you to God for the good things that God had done for them. By contrast, the psalmist says in in Psalm 50 and verse 23, he says that he who sacrifices thank offerings honors me and he prepares the way that I may show him the salvation of God. What's happening there in that interaction? The person who is saying thank you is opening the door for the relationship between God and the human being to come back together again and to be all that it can be. Are you tracking with me tonight? Now, you might be sitting here tonight thinking to yourself, okay, 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 old man. I get what you're saying. Giving thanks is really important and it's somehow critical to our relationship with God and yada, yada, yada. But God hasn't really done anything for me. You know, like when I look around in my life, I'm not like really seeing any like evidence of the hand of God. And there have been some things that I was praying about. And those things didn't really pan out the way that I wanted them to pan out. So I don't know, maybe like a lot of other people in this room have things to give thanks for, but I don't have a single thing to give thanks for. But that, I think, is where you're wrong. Watch this. This is Psalm 136. You got Bibles? You can flip over there. Also going to be up on the screen. Watch this. This is like one of the great Psalms of Thanksgiving in all of the Psalter. The Psalmist says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His love endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders, his love endures forever. Who by his understanding did what? He made the heavens. His love endures forever. Who did what? He spread out the it's there, earth upon the waters. There it is. His love endures forever. Who made the great lights? His love endures forever. The sun to govern the day. His love endures forever. The moon and the stars to govern the night. His love endures for, uh, forever. He remembered us in our lowest state. His love endures forever. And freed us from our enemies. His love endures forever. He gives, what does the psalm say there? He gives to what? Every creature, his love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven. His love endures forever. Do you see what the psalmist is doing there? He's taking all of created existence. Everything good that happens on planet earth under the sun. And he's saying, God did that. The great lights that govern the heavens, God did that. The oceans spread out upon the earth, God did that. The mountains and the hills and the grasslands, God did that. All of the wild animals and all of their variety and their beauty, God did that. The joy that we experience in our hearts over things, God did that. The taste of food, God did that. The color of a sunrise or a sunset, God did that. The sound of music that delights our ears, God did that. The life that's in our body, the life that's flowing in our veins, God did that. God did that. God did that. He's layering gratitude for God in every element of created existence. Do you understand 
that you have never touched anything good in your life that did not come directly from the hand of God. Everything is a gift given straight from the hand of the Creator. Jesus' half-brother James said this in James chapter 1. He said, don't be deceived, my brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift comes where? From above, from the Father of the heavenly lights. who doesn't change like shifting shadows. Everything good that you have ever tasted in your life, it was a miracle. It was straight from the hands of God. And realizing this allows us to wake up to God and it makes us more human. Just a couple weeks ago, I was at a baseball game for my second son, Gabe. Gabe is uh, on the Liberty Lancers. Right, he plays right field, he pitches. Zach Miesmer also for the Lancers over here. Zach is leadoff hitter, plays left field, dude is a stud. And I'm loving, we are, our family is loving getting into Liberty Lancer baseball. And we were, uh, they, were, uh, they were playing Pine Creek a couple weeks ago. We got Pine Creek students in the house at all tonight. Okay, <laughs> We're not. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't want to like open up a can of something here tonight. I was just like trying to like make this, let's keep this a friendly space. Jews and Gentiles, you know, Liberty Lancers and Pine Creek, whatever they are is, you know, everybody being together. Jesus includes everybody. Okay, here we go. Got that established. It was great being at the baseball game. It was amazing. Now, Pine Creek on this particular afternoon, they were pounding Liberty. It was like really, really rough game. And then all of a sudden, seventh inning rolls around and they play seven inning games. And all of a sudden, Liberty starts making like a run at it in the seventh inning. And most, you know how baseball games, have you ever been to a baseball game? Baseball game is like kind of sleepy for the most part until like there's always, I feel like there's always a moment in a baseball game where everybody's kind of on the edge of their seat, like something is about to happen here. And that started like happening. All of a sudden, Liberty's like knocking some in, you know, and they're scoring some runs and they get like, now the game is not out of reach anymore. It's very much within reach. And the bases were loaded and Gabe came up to bat and they got two outs, you know, bottom of the seventh. Tim was there, Mariah was there, they saw it, you know, and my sister Anna was there, and we're having this great time, and all of a sudden, I'm watching, like, Liam on the back row, and Liam doesn't care that much about baseball, but all of a sudden, Liam is starting to, like, lean into the baseball game, you know, and, and Bella, all of a sudden, Bella, I don't, Bella, I think that Bella thinks that most sports are just the same, they're all just go sports, you know, and she doesn't care about sports at all, but all of a sudden, like, Bella is leaning in, you know, and and so Gabe gets up to bat and two outs, you know, and bases are loaded and Liberty's down by a couple runs and, and Gabe gets into like a full count situation. All of a sudden he knocks in a two RBI single. Incredible. And then, and then like two minutes later winds up scoring the tying run. Incredible. Give it up for Gabe Arndt, everybody. And you should have seen the family, like we were going nuts, like hugging each other and jumping up and down. And Bella was on the back row. And she was crying, I swear. Tears in her eyes. She's weeping and she's going, that's my brother out there. It's game. And... Liberty didn't wind up winning that game, by the way. It was really <laughs> rough. And so, family, I want you to extend your hands in the direction of Zach Miesmer and Gabe Arndt over here. They're still healing from that loss. I'm just kind of kidding, but not really. Um, but it's like this amazing, joyful experience for all. Now, okay, now, this is what the scripture says about that experience of joy that we all had that was so amazing that brought us together and Bella crying on the back row and Liam cheering for his brother. Do you know what the Bible says about that experience? Do you know who that came from? It came from God. It wasn't just some cosmic accident. 
or something that just kind of happened on planet Earth that God was like, oh, well, that's kind of interesting. Okay, cool. Meanwhile, I'm doing something else. That's not it. What happened there that day was a gift straight from the hand of our Heavenly Father. It was his way of saying to the Arndt family, I love you, I see you, I'm proud of you, and I want you to be happy. Do you believe that God is like that? You know, most of us, like our idea of God, I've, I've been a, in the church for my entire life, I've been a pastor for going on 20 years now, and what I find more and more with people is that people's idea of God is not that he's a loving heavenly father that wants everybody to have a good time and he wants our lives to be good, but they have this idea that God is some like cosmic grouch up in the sky. You know, he's some crotchety old grandfather deity sitting on a rocking chair and he's all upset because the kids are having too much fun. Shut up, quiet down, I'm watching Jeopardy! You know, he's not. That's the way that many of us think about God. But that's not what our God is like. If... Jesus says in one place, he goes, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more do you think your father in heaven wants to give good gifts to those who ask? Like if I take, okay, as much joy as I take in giving Ethan or Gabe or Bella or Liam a good gift, that is a drop in the ocean of the amount of joy that God takes in giving his kids good gifts. Think about what Paul says in Acts chapter 14 here. Uh, Paul is with one of his traveling companions and they just perform this great miracle in this city and these people don't know Jesus and so they start sacrificing animals to Paul and his traveling companion saying, you guys must be like the gods. And Paul's like, no, 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 we're not the gods at all. And this is what Paul says. He says, friends, why are you doing this? We are only human like you. We're bringing you good news, telling you to turn from worthless images to the living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past, he said, he let all the nations go their own way. Next slide. I need the next slide. There we go. Yet he has not left himself without a testimony. And here, watch this. This is what Paul says is the testimony of God in our created experience. He says he's not left himself without a testimony, but he's shown you what? He's shown you kindness. How? By giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. And he provides you with plenty of food and he fills your hearts with joy. Have you ever eaten a meal that just was like amazing to you? God did that. Have you ever gone outside or experienced a cool rain on a hot summer day? God did that. Or we're entering into spring here and everything is beginning to blossom. The lilacs are going to come out soon and fill the air with the scent. You ever experienced that before? And it's like, God did that. And something begins to go right in us when we start acknowledging. When I was in college, I was a sophomore, I think I was about a sophomore, at Oral Roberts University in Tulsa, Oklahoma. That's where I went and got my bachelor's degree there. We got some ORU fans in the house. And uh, I got up early one morning, you know, and I, this had never like really clicked for me, you know. I knew that like once in a while you should give like God thanks for stuff, I think, to keep, you know, it was like changing the oil in your car, you know, like keep the relationship good, but... The idea of like giving thanks for all things in life, it had never really dawned on me. And I, I remember getting up early one morning. I had class at probably nine or 10 in the morning and I decided I'm a runner. We got any runners in the house? I know, I know, so the rosier boys. Okay, good. I got up really early this one morning, like five in the morning, you know, it was like a September, October maybe day and fall and Tulsa was really, really pretty. And I got up really early one morning, like 5 a.m. And I threw on my running shorts and I headed out the door 
And I remember it was like one of those ones, like people talk about like the runner's high and sometimes like it takes a little bit to get into the runner's high, but you have like these rare moments as a runner where like you have runner's high almost immediately, like first step out the door and all of a sudden you just feel good, right? And that happened to me and I, I'm on this run and uh, there's this old movie where this guy in the movie says, when I run, I feel his pleasure. And like, I was like, that's true. When I run, I feel his pleasure. And I was like running, I was like so ecstatically happy. The whole time I got back to the house and I just was feeling so good, you know? So I jump in the shower and get cleaned up. And I decided like on this day, because I was feeling like so amazingly good that I was going to throw on like really, really nice clothes, you know, like dress up because I feel amazing. And so I did it, which for me just meant like wearing a button down shirt. I'm a slobby kid from Wisconsin, you know, that's where I'm anyway. And, but I did, so I felt amazing. And then I jumped in my truck. I had this 92 Chevy S10 pickup truck, manual transmission. I loved that thing. The angel of death is what I called it for reasons that we won't get into here. But, and so I jumped in my Chevy F10 pickup and I popped a, now this is really dating me here. I popped one of my favorite cassette tapes in there and I listened to it as I'm driving up and down Yale on 71st street. And I drove over to Nordagio's coffee house. Some of you probably been there before. I think it's still a thing. And I got myself a big train or something early in the morning, you know, and I'm just enjoying the coffee and the weather and the everything. And I remember I had this moment where like all of those pieces, you know, like fell into place and this like sense of euphoria overcame me. And all of a sudden it occurred to me in a way that had never occurred to me before. All of this is from God. Everything is from God. And this wasn't just like some random thing that happened to me, but like there is no moment of our created existence that doesn't come from the hand of the creator that we can't just give thanks to God for. I, I wanna just ask you tonight just to think for a moment. Because some of you, there is kind of a darkness that's around your heart, you know? God's never really moved in my life and he's never really shown me anything and he's never really done anything for me. But I want you to think about right now, I want you to think about the things that make you happiest. The things that when you do those things, you feel most alive. Maybe for some of you, it's playing sports and that's your thing. And you're out there on the basketball court or on the baseball diamonds. You just feel amazing, you feel alive. Might be, as some of you here, you're artists, musicians. So when you have the guitar in your hand or you're sitting in front of the piano, there's like a moment that happens where all of a sudden you just kind of cross over into happiness. Maybe that's it for you. Maybe for some of you, you raise animals and that's your thing. And seeing these new little animals come into the world, that just like takes your breath away and it's amazing. Or maybe for some of you, your family is just this incredible source of delight. Or maybe for some of you, it's a friend that you have. And this friend, no matter what's going on, whenever you're in the atmosphere of the friends, all of a sudden everything changes for you and you're so grateful that you have this person. I want you to think about like, what are those things? What are the handful of things that make you feel most alive? The handful of things that make you feel most human. Those things have been given to you straight from the hands of God. And you have something to be thankful for. You're alive. God is giving you joy. He's making you glad. He's closer to you than your very skin. You just have to recognize him. One of the great minds of the 20th century, G.K. Chesterton said this. He said that the worst moment for the atheist is when he's really thankful and he has nobody to thank. So here's what I'm pleading with you. 
tonight. That when you have those moments of happiness, when you have those moments of gratitude, when you have those moments of joy that well up in you, don't just kind of like, don't miss the moments. Oh yeah, oh great, whatever. But take that and go vertical with it. God, thank you. Thank you for sports. Thank you for sunshine. Thank you for food. Thank you for art. Thank you for music. Thank you for my parents. Thank you for my friends. And do you know what will happen to you, by the way, as you do that? That you'll find more things to be thankful for. And all of a sudden, this like atmosphere of gratitude will overwhelm your mind. And all of that sort of darkness and melancholy that you feel kind of encroaching at the edges of your heart, you'll find that it just gets chased away. All of a sudden, your mind and your spirit, your soul has filled up with the sun of righteousness. Why? Because you said thank you. The one who gives thank offerings honors me, the psalmist said, and prepares the way that I may show him the salvation of God. When we say thank you, we open the door for God to come walking into our experience. That's the first thing I want to say to you. And I want to say one more thing with this. We'll start making our way into a response time in the next five minutes or so. But I want to say this to you tonight, that one of the things that we see over and over and over again in the scriptures is that we don't just give thanks to God for the stuff that God gives us, but we give thanks to God for the gift of God's self. Because the greatest thing that God can ever give us is not happy days or money or a healthy body or a career or relationships working out or any of that stuff, wonderful as those things are. The greatest thing that God can ever give us is himself. And when we enter into a relationship with God, we find that we have all things even if it seems like many things that we thought were necessary to us have been provided for us. Jesus tells this great story in the book of Luke chapter 11. His disciples have come to him and they've said, Lord, teach us to pray. And so he gives them the famous words of the Lord's prayer. Father, hallowed be thy name. You know the rest of it. And he begins to expand on the teaching on this theme of like God giving daily bread to us, the things that we need. And he says, suppose one of you has a friend and the friend comes to him at midnight and says, hey, can you help me out? Because I've got another friend that just came to me and I don't have anything to set in front of him. So would you please like lend me some loaves of bread so that I don't appear inhospitable to this person that's all of a sudden arrived on my doorstep? And Jesus says, you know, even though this person will not give him bread on account of the friendship, yet because the guy keeps asking for it, he'll get up and he'll give him all that he needs. And then Jesus says this, he says, ask and it'll be given to you, right? You know this, seek and you will find, knock and what happens? the door will be open to you. And then he goes into the famous thing that I just said a little bit ago. He says, which of you fathers, if your son asks for fish, will give him a snake? Or asks for, if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Verse 13, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. So he's trying to establish that God gives good gifts when we ask. Watch this. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give what? No, not good gifts, but what does it say? It appears that in the mind of Jesus, the greatest good gift that God could ever give us is not bread, it's not provision, it's not relationships, it's not everything working out the way that it ought to. It appears that in the mind of Jesus, the greatest good gift 
that God could ever give us is what? The, Holy, the greatest thing that God can ever give us is God. <laughs> and Paul says it this way in Romans chapter 8 and verse 31. He says, if God is for us, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, what are the next three words there? Along with him. Him who? Jesus. Graciously give us all things. The greatest thing that God can ever give us is himself. And when we realize that, everything changes. I was your age when I first encountered God for the really first time. Born and raised in a church, knew the Lord all my life and had a relationship with Jesus in the way that I respect Jesus, love Jesus. Jesus is like the guy for the home team, you know? But I remember being 16 and I was in a place where I was really confused and really lost and asking a lot of questions, like maybe some of you are. I was confused by a lot of the things I heard in church, confused by a lot of the things that I heard people say about God really aching in my own heart for kind of an an encounter with God, but not really knowing how to say that, you know? And I remember kneeling down by my bedside one morning. I was in my devotional time. And I'm kneeling down by my bedside and I was reading 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter. Love is patient, you know it? Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. It's not rude, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love, Paul says, never fails. And I had so many questions about God, you know, at that time. What is God like? Is God good? Does he love me? Is he for me? Is he wrathful? Is he angry? What is God like? And I'm reading through the love chapter. And usually when we read through the love chapter, and I think this was Paul's intent in writing the love chapters, he's trying to encourage the church to be a certain way. But it occurred to me in that moment that Paul can write that stuff about love because all of it was true about God first. The Bible says that God is love. And that means that God is patient and God is kind and God doesn't envy and God doesn't boast and God's not proud and God's not rude and God's not self-seeking. And God's not easily angered and God keeps no record of wrongs and God doesn't delight in evil, but God rejoices with the truth and God always protects us and God always trusts and God always hopes and God will always persevere with us to the very end. I saw it as a self-description of God and it was like that moment where all of a sudden God was revealed to me. My heart opened up and God poured into my soul. It was contact with God and that moment, friends, that moment has completely defined my life where all of a sudden I came in contact with God. And the last 25 years or so, I have had mountaintop experiences, amazing experiences where things that I dreamed about and things that I longed for and things that I planned came to fruition. Amazing. Thanks be to God for that. But do you know that some people make it to mountaintop experiences And these good things that they experience actually ruin them because number one, they don't know how to say thanks to God. And number two, they don't know that God is actually the great treasure of life. And so they achieve all of the things that their hearts desire. And those things actually wind up ruining them. They become idols in their lives. Do you understand that? 
And I've had those moments where I've gotten to the mountaintop and the only thing that's kept me safe in my spirit is that I always wanted something more than those things. I always wanted God. And by contrast, in the last 25 years, I've had moments where the bottom fell out and everything that I dreamed for and longed for and hoped for looked like it was blowing up around me. And I've experienced humiliating defeats and heartbreaks and things exploding that I thought it would never explode and breakdowns, and I, all of it, the pain of living in a fallen world. I've experienced all of that too. And do you know why I'm still standing here? Because the person who has God already has everything. Thomas Merton, one of the great mystics, a Christian in the 20th, 20th century, said this. I want you to think about this. He said, why should I fear anything that cannot rob me of God? And why should I desire anything that cannot give me possession of God? Do you know that you already have all of God? Paul says that God has placed his fullness in Christ and we have been given that fullness. Do you know that you already have as much of God as you can ever have? Do you know that there is no thing that you can go through that will ever take God away from you or give you less of God? And do you also know that there is no experience that you can have of success or things working out in your favor or going your direction that can give you more of God? I don't know how better to say it to you than I'm saying it to you right now. If you have God, you already have everything. And so you have everything to be grateful for. The psalmist said, my soul hungers and thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? The psalmist said elsewhere, Psalm 27, your love is better than life. Therefore, my lips will glorify you. Psalm 27, the psalmist said that. In Psalm 73, the psalmist said this. He said, whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. And my flesh and my heart may fail me, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Friends, God has not just given you life and breath and every good thing, but he's also given himself to you. And you have everything to be thankful for. And so tonight I want to ask you to stand. And this is a night, this night is a night to sacrifice our thank offerings and to honor God and prepare the way that we may see the salvation of God, to restore our own relationship with God. And so this is what I want you to do. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to just begin to name the ways that God has been good to you. We're going to go into a song of worship here. And so as the worship song is going, you can speak those things out. But I want you to just begin to let those things, like let the Spirit bring those things to your, your memory, your minds. The places where you experience joy. The places where you experience happiness. The places where you've known love and inspiration. The places where your breath has been taken away. The places where you feel the most alive that you can be where you feel the most yourself. And I want you just being in your own spirit to like tally those places up. And in a second here, you're gonna start giving thanks to God for them. But I also want you to do more than that. I also want you to think about all the moments when God has been real to you, when he's revealed himself to you. I want you to think about the places when you were in a dark place and 
God's encouragement has come to you and the love of the Spirit has washed in. I want you to think about the time when you met Jesus for the first time, the time when the Spirit became real to you, that time when you were reading the Scriptures and all of a sudden, like I did that morning, you saw the face of the Father and you knew something of the character of God that took your breath away or brought tears to your eyes. I want you to tally up those things, those places. And I want you to offer those things up as thanks to the Lord. And so, Lord, here we are. Make us grateful. Make us grateful. Make us grateful. And we want you to hear it from grateful, happy hearts tonight. How much we love you. And how thankful we are to be called your children. I'm asking that you bring back to our mind, to our hearts, to our spirits, all those places where we've seen the goodness of God. And we pray... I'm praying that we would offer up an offering of thanks tonight that's worthy of all that you are and all that you've done. So grant that we're asking in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this message from New Life Student Ministries. If you want to keep up with what's happening with us, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at NL Student Ministries.